Hello, and it's time for another Let's Make It. And this week, uh, I'm going to talk about some things that uh, I mentioned last week, actually, uh, about some LCD screens. Before we get jump into that, I uh, do a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, spreading the word about us. Uh, the growth of this show has been uh, amazing to me. I just it's I just love the fact that so many people are involved in such a, this kind of a hobby, and it's uh, it's very fun. But this is the show we talk about making things, and we focus a lot on Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and th- things like that. And we're starting to do a little bit more stuff outside of this, just the electronics, and more in the how to in the making of things that really don't have electronics involved in, in them. But uh, we're expanding that out a little bit. But we do talking a lot about Arduinos and things like that. Things that are, uh, you know, little tiny PC board type pro- products uh, that you can build in your home and have some fun with and learn and make make simple things. So that's what this show is all about. We record a show every Monday night at 9 p.m. Uh, and you can come watch us live, get in the chat room and chat with us. Uh, it's a little, little bit light in there tonight. I have like two people in there uh, and they're being kind of quiet. So, um, but we can also take your phone calls and all that kind of stuff too. But tonight we're going to keep this kind of focused on the LCD because uh, this is something that I think needs some explanation from somewhere. All right. So before I do that, I wanted to show you two other things tonight. But one of them is not working, but I'm going to show you the other one. I have two touchscreen-based systems. One of them is on a Raspberry Pi, which is the one that for some reason is not working. And that has been the most difficult one to get working because the drivers are all different. So it comes back to this whole thing of these LCDs. There's not like a documented standard anywhere for anything. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit, but the other one that I did get working and I'm still up in the air if I'm going to keep it as, as it is or, or modify it a little bit is only Udo. I got an Udo a while back and I am starting to work on some programs that would, the Udo would run because Udo basically is a two different CPU systems. One of them being the same CPU that's in the Arduino do. So we can do everything that we do with our, our button boards or anything with all the timing issues that we'd had on Raspberry Pi. Uh, we can use the Arduino do and do everything that we do with our libraries that we already have, but use a quad core Unix based system to do the actual running of the system and do the maintenance. So it's truly a multitasking environment, not just, not just Unix multitasking, but also we can have one CPU managing just the displays and the buttons, which gives us a lot more capability. We don't have to worry about waiting for network activity, things like that. So that's uh, that's something I'm, I'm playing with. But I have the choice of running it either uh, a Ubuntu Linux on it or running Android on it. At the moment, I have Android running on it. But I want to show you uh, a little bit about the touchscreen and stuff like that. When we'll, when then we're going to hop over and talk about the, the regular LCD. So let's hop over there real quick. And what you're seeing right now as I move over, because I'm still using this uh, funny product camera, is the display. And you're seeing this is actually the Udo. I'll move this out of the way. And so hopefully the light comes back up. There we go. Uh, that's the Udo. So you uh, under right there. Let me see if I can point to it. Right there is the Arduino chip, or the chip that runs the Arduino Do. Same thing. And then under this heat sink, which you can tell it hard to tell it's a heat sink, but that is a heat sink. Is the quad core box? And you see this still has still has Wi-Fi and audio built in, and it has a monitor built in because I'm holding the monitor in my hand right now. Uh, and a bunch of other things that are basically very, very much PC-like. But what this is, if the camera readjusts itself, is a touchscreen that's running Android. So there's the Android menu, and you see the camera keeps adjusting because of the the light. But I have the Android menu, go back to home. So you have this general Android interface that people are used to on their phone, which is one of the things I'm leaning towards 
is it's quick to develop with, um, and it's user user friendly as far as uh, what the user is used to because a lot of people have Android phones and they're used to this type of interface versus running the Unix touch interface, which is basically X Windows on touch, which isn't overly intuitive. X Windows is not designed to be touch where Android is. The disadvantage to Android, at least from my perspective, is that with your, when you're running Unix, um, it allows you to program the Arduino code right from the Unix box or the Unix operating system. So I could actually upload in the background new code to the Arduino without anybody even knowing it and just make it an automatic thing, like automatic update. Or even if they, you know, not necessarily automatic, but they can hit a button and say, I want to update it. Where with the code that runs Android, there is no IDE environment that runs on Androids for the Arduino. So I don't have, without some custom coding, maybe possibly, I don't have any way to uh, upload, like in the background, a new sketch to the Arduino part of the board versus, like I can with Unix. So, but I'm still leaning very heavy towards uh, Android just from the fact that it's user-friendly. That's the biggest, the most important part. We have to work through some other update processes in, you know, throughout the, throughout this, but that's, that seems like it's easy. Plus the development tools for Android, I already know how to develop for Android, so it's pretty easy uh, to develop. There are some things I want to do with this that are not typical Android, and uh, one of them being um, I want to be able to boot without coming through the screen and bring the program up directly. I don't mind if they get back to the interface because that's okay, but what I, I would, would like to do is when it comes up, to go right into my program. So some automatic things, skipping skipping the boot cycle, some of the boot cycle things, I know it can be done because I've seen other embedded um, Android systems that do that. I just don't know how to do that. That's something that's really low level and I've never investigated. So it's going to be a learning experience. Where on Unix, I can do that pretty easy because I know the Unix environment you know, very well. All right. So that is the Udo. Let me grab a couple of things here real quick as I head back over to the other side. There goes my hand. And here I am coming back. Okay. So... Like I said, today we want to talk about LCDs. So the most common question I give LCDs is they've bought an LCD and they can't figure out how to get it to work with the Arduino. Well, there's a lot of reasons that could be. So I want to go through a little bit. Um, the, there's a lot of confusion over some of the terminology. I actually took some notes. Here. I want to make sure that I can get all the notes uh, out as well because I went through some of my old emails and things like that. Let me get my notes here. So I get those questions sometimes like, well, they got an LCD 2004. Well, that's a pretty generic. Um, that's not really a part number. What that basically means is they got an LCD that's 20 wide and four lines high. So this is one of those. That's not telling me who the manufacturer is, though, or what's on the back of it. Like, how is it interfacing and things like that? That's just a, a generic term saying I have a 20 line, uh, I mean, a four line, 20 character display that I want to hook up. So there could be a parallel interface, which almost all LCDs like that are. So I mean, my parallel is a little easier to tell on this one is see all these holes at the top that basically allows you to connect all those signals into it. And it takes more than one input at a time. So basically it can be either a four or an eight bit input. So rather than a serial where it's one bit at a time, you basically set up the pins and you clock the pins. So when it reads it in, it's reading in in uh, either four or eight bits at a time. So it's definitely a faster way of doing it through serial. Um, but this is how they come by default. They come like this. Back in my old days of the pick chips, that's the way you determined how many pins you need on your pick chip. Is What are you trying to do with it? So 
The problem with these parallel ones is it takes up so many pins. Like I said, there's four or eight. Most typically, most people use four. Uh, and then there is also a read-write pin. Um, there's a configuration pin. There, let me get through the pins here. I'll, just go, I'll go through all the different ones that are here. Let's see. Page number nine on this one. And actually, I'll go over here and I'll show you all the different pins that they are as well. Let me hop over to the, the computer as I get down here. Actually, it's page 19 in this one. So right here is the pins that you got to use. So pin number one is ground. So that's an obvious. You need ground and power. Those two are, are kind of determined anyway. So then pin number two is your power. Pin number three is your contrast adjustment, which we don't typically use a pin off the Arduino for that. It's possible to do that, but it's not the most common way. Typically, it's just a uh, some kind of potentiometer. That's what we basically use, and we'll show you that. Then you have the RS pin, which determines, are you writing to the data? Or are you writing to the instructions? So you're writing to the screen, or are you going to give it instructions? Then you have the read-write selection, so you're reading or writing. And then you have the enable signal. And then you have your four or your eight bits of data. So let's add this up off the pins that we're talking about off the Arduino. So RS, RW, and E are typically a pin, and so are DB0 through 3 or 0 through 7. So let's just say you're doing a 4-bit, which is most common, LCD. So off the Arduino, you're going to be using uh, 7 pins. So with an Arduino that only has 11 pins that are really usable, then you are really getting down there as far as how many pins you have left on your Arduino Uno, for, for example. So what's the most common thing to do is we use a serial-based interface, which is typically I2C. Um, there are plenty of libraries out there for the parallel interface, and it comes actually in the, in the code when you install your IDE. You can go into examples and get the LCD uh, interface example, and it should work right off with the parallel interface. Make sure your pins are all put in the right place and everything, but out of the box, that's the way it should work. However, the most common way people use it on the Arduino is using I2C. And I2C is a serial interface that is very fast, and you have to somehow convert that serial interface into the parallel interface that the, the LCD wants, which is where the problem comes in. There's not really a standard. In fact, I'm going to show you some different things here that makes it even more confusing. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about I2C. We talked about I2C in the past, but here is um, the Wikipedia article. I'm gonna put all this stuff in the notes so you can go read it, read about what I2C is. This is a, a page about I2C, it's on Wikipedia, and it's um, a little detailed and probably over some people's heads, but it gives you the basic idea of what I2C is, some things that are required for pull-up resistors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's a good, it's a good read, but then there's also, here's the problem with I2C. I2C is limited by its addressing. So, um, I2C itself is a seven bit or a 10 bit addressing. Most common out there is seven bit, which that provides 128 theoretical addresses, but some of them are reserved. So you can't use, um, here, how many on the reserved right here? Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five like six or seven addresses are reserved you can't use. So you still got like 120 addresses that you can use. And that's assuming that you have a seven bit address. But what some of these chip manufacturers do, and we're gonna go talk to show you that in a second here, 
is they don't want to use up all um, all the pins. They want to they want to because if you use all five address pins, it requires five pins on their physical chip, which makes the chip bigger, more sensitive to produce. Uh, you know, the whole way down the line. So their whole goal is to keep the pin count as low as possible. So most of them, and I would say probably more than ninety percent, ninety five percent of them, only supply you five pins. I mean, three pins to access to set the address instead of the seven pins that you, they should be able to do for addressing. So they've, what they've done is they've kind of fixed the, in the other addresses to be a particular address. And you can adjust like three of the, the, the pins. So let me go and sh- say this, the, that's a problem because you got to know how the inside of the chip is wired to know what the address is. Fortunately, most of these chips that are used to do this are made by one company but their problem is, I'm going to go show you this as well. Uh, the problem with that is, let's see, I think this is the one's on page nine. Yep, here it is, page nine. Okay, so the problem with that is if you look at this, this is this chip we're talking about, and it's by NXP. They have two versions of the chip. They have a PCF8574 and a PCF8574A. The only difference between them is the addresses. So here they show you what they get. They give you access to these pins, A0, A1, and A2 on both chips. But look at the first four numbers right here. They don't give you access to this information. They fix it internally. So the P, the standard PCF8574 is going to be 0, 1, 0, 0, and then whatever three pins are assigned to the chip. The PC. 8574A is going to be 0111, and then whatever three pins are assigned to the chip. So it's very, they look exactly the same. The chips, you can't tell them apart. So if you look at it without looking at the part number, you're going to think it's the same chip, but the addressing is going to be different. So this is, this is where the f- confusion comes in, is it's the addressing. And the problem is these people that manufacture, these companies that manufacture these boards, I'm going to call them a backpack board, because basically I can show you one here. Let me go to the camera over here. Let me get the Udu out of the way. All right, so the Udu's out. So this thing right there on the back is the backpack. And there's a bunch of companies that make this. This is a YW robot. Um, and there is Sane Smart makes one. And the problem is the documentation for these backpack boards is very, very poor. In fact, it's hard to find. Sane Smart is very, very hard to find. Uh, the YW Robot I have found uh, places. But what you're going to see here is that there's no way to set the address on this board. You see the chip, but there's no way, there's nothing telling you what the address is. So unless you know how they wire the pins up for the address, you don't know what the address, address is. And each company that manufactures these does it a little bit different. So what you see in the back of this is you see the, the chip, and then you see the potentiometer I mentioned before. That's, that's your adjustment for... Uh, the, the contrast, and then you see this little thing on the end down here, which provides power to the backlight. Well, um, when it's in a box, it's kind of hard to reach that power for the backlight. However, most new or recent displays allow you to turn off and on the backlight via command. So that's not really even needed anymore. So this this is a kind of a, an extra thing uh, that's not, not really needed. But by looking at this, you can't tell what the address is. And that's the problem. You get a different manufacturer come in, or different one from a different manufacturer, what address did they use? So what I'm going to show you here in a little bit is a, is a sketch set I'm going to put out in the show notes 
that you can run, plug in your display, and it'll tell you what the address is. So that's what that is. So because of this, we actually developed our own backpack. So we have our own now, which this is not a sales thing. I was going to show you what we did a little different. Um, you see there, you can set the address. By default, it's set to 000, so we know what the address is by default. And in this particular one, I actually installed the transistor up here on the top left that allows you to turn the power off and on to the, to the LCD. That is not normally installed unless, unless um, by default, it doesn't come like that. It comes like the other one, but it's, it's always on because most modern LCDs, we do have a couple of LCDs that we use that do not have the intelligence. That's why that chip is there in this particular one. But it looks just like the yellow one. It's actually using the exact same chip as the yellow one. We just provided you the ability to set the address, and there's a few other features on it that we've added as well and rearranged some of the parts and how they lay out. But this is exactly the same as the other ones. This is ours that we created. So you can see they're all so similar, and we're all using the same chip. So what you don't know is what address does the manufacturer use. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to um, show you <laughs> what most commonly happens to people. Hang on a second. I'm going to take the LCD. I created it. I took the Hello World script that comes with the Arduino. And this is what most people see. And they can't figure out why there is no text coming up. So let's go take a look at the Hello World sketch here. And let me make this bigger because it looks small on the screen. It's probably smaller even to you. Uh, there we go. So this is what basically comes, this is the default sketch that comes from the Arduino if you look at look at Crystal I2C. And it comes default, I think it comes with the address of 32 in there or something like that. Um, no, I, don't, I don't remember what it is. But anyways, it comes with an address that may or may not work. So basically the amount of emails I get, it probably doesn't work. But this is the sketch that's actually running right now that is displaying this. So obviously it's not working because it's just blank. And this is just an Arduino Uno right here with one of these displays that has the same backpack on it from YW Robot. And uh, you can look on the back, you can see, if you can see it's YW Robot or not, but it's black, it's not saying smart. Um, so what we need to do though is figure out where is it in, in the, the addressing scheme. So what, what I did is I created a little program here, let me go back over and uh, bring it up called I2C Scanner. And all it does is it goes through all 120 addresses. And let me again bring this up. So, or make this larger so you can read it. We walk through it. So really quickly, we just set up a, a, a serial interface. You know, we'll do a, do a lot. Uh, we start up the I2C interface use, using wire begin. And then I'm just gonna scan through all 120 addresses. And all I'm going to do is say begin transmission. And if it comes back and it says that it end transmission, that means it got a response back, then we know something's there. And we're going to print out what address I just checked. And then we're going to finish. And every five seconds we're going to go through and we're going to do this again. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and upload this sketch. And we're going to go and look at the serial monitor. And you can already see it's found a device and it's at address 20, 0x27 or 39, however you want to you do it. Either one will work. So now that we found this address, 
for this device on the on the line. And by the way, if you have multiple devices on the line, it'll show up all the devices. It'll go through every single address. So like if I run this on one of our boxes, we have you know over a dozen chips in the I2C bus. It's going to show up all those devices. That's kind of what we use it for, is to make sure things are actually communicating back properly if we're having a problem with the board. It's kind of our testing process. But now I know the address is 27. So let's go over here to 27. I mean, put 27 in the address. So instead of 0x32 or 032, it's 027. Oops. I forgot I did that. Hang on a second. Let me reopen this. Now it's Hello World. I'm not going to do that. All right. So let me find 32 here. Changing the font is what messes this up. This IDE messes up. So let me going to say, just take this. And we're going to reopen that back up again. All right, now I should be able to change it. The 27, just like that. And let's see, let's go back over. I'm going to upload this and go back over to here. And we should see it come up and say, hello world. All right, there, it got the sketch. There it is, hello world. So it really, most of the problems people are having would be as simple as running that sketch, finding out where the address is and changing the address. And that's really how simple it can be to fix the problems. The, what amazes me is how many people actually have this problem. Um, it just boggles my mind because, I mean, I literally get things like this all the time. So uh, hopefully this gives you a little bit more of insight as to why these aren't working. Um, also, go check out some of the links that I'm going to put in the show notes about the I2C. If you're not familiar with it, it gives you a great background on the serial protocol. I mean, you could literally have... 120 of these screens set up and communicating with them. Now, I didn't, I meant to bring the other screen over here. There's a, this, this interface that we're using with this um, parallel interface is on all kinds of these types of boards, but sometimes they're on the side and they have like a different pin layout. So you can get these for that as well. And it, they work exactly the same, just the pin layout, because the screen is, is so, th it's thinner and longer basically is what it is. And they put that on the side. So it's trying to keep it so it's not quite so tall. So it's just a different layout. It's still the same parallel interface, but there are other ones that do require all eight bits, for example, uh, any kind of graphic interface, things like that, which we've shown in the past some graphic interfaces, and they're a little more complicated uh, to figure out. But when you get this part figured out and you understand that almost all of these are using that same chip that's in there um, and you run a scanner like this, then you can pretty much use, uh, you get used to using it in this, the, whether it's graphic or not, the interface is the same. So you have the same problem. You still have an addressing problem because they still use I2C uh, for their interface. So this may use you know, a little bit bigger, a little, a little bit bigger bit range. But like I said, the I2C scanner that's that's gonna be out there in the show notes will work with anything more than just this chip. It'll work with anything. Like uh, we use um, 23017 chips, MCP 23017 for lots of things. Because um, there's a general purpose IO uh chip and it's I2C based. The problem with that is it's only three pins as well. So their internal addressing is, is different. Um, we use another one from uh, NXP that actually is a five bit address. 
So it allows us to do a little bit more control. And actually that works out really good for us because we can put those same chips on the same board as the 23017s and use a different address in the other two pins and put multiples on the same address. So that one board in our code would look like it's board number five, for example. Um, and we would adjust the pin. We would know what the address is for the, M the MCP 23017 plus all the other chips that are on the board based on that. So it just allows us a little more flexibility to use one address for one board. But uh, that's very rare. And I wish more people would actually expose those extra pins because you really are limited to eight devices on a bus if you're only exposing three pins, even there's 120 total possibilities that you can put on a bus. You're really limited by that, and you can't change those, those other three pins. So that's just something to think about. There are all ways around it. We've, we've developed our own system now around that. So we can now support um, basically four times um, the number of boards that we support, uh, four different buses at one time. And there's you know, some new tricks you can do, but still you're it's a little bit limited. But it's a great, this is most one of the most common misconceptions about uh, the LCDs. You think you just plug them in and they go, and they aren't as, as simple as what you would think. You just don't print to them. You do actually get it figured out. But because they've introduced now the serial interface and the addressing, it confuses people. Where in the old days, uh, I guess I'm, the old days, I'll call it the old days, uh, we used this, the parallel interfaces only off the like the PIC chips. So we didn't have to worry about addressing. We just knew what each pin was, and we made sure that it was the right stuff was on the pin when we clocked it and things like that. So it's just uh, just different. But uh, I, the most common problem I have is the addressing, and I think this will hopefully help people uh, get past that. And I have somewhere I, can, somewhere I can send people when I get the email, hey, check out this. This may help you out. Hopefully it helps everybody out. So I think that's all I had for today. Um, I do want to remind you, you can watch us on, on the Roku, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, I definitely appreciate when you do things like that. Follow us on Twitter uh, and uh, come back next Monday night and we'll be talking about the Arduino Lee, no, um, Galileo. Man, I couldn't think of the name. Uh, we've been using it for a lot of things now and there's some little quirks about it. Overall, it's a really nice board, but there's a few little quirks and we've worked through some of the quirks and some more we haven't worked through. Uh, but we'll talk about that next week. And if you're interested that way, if you start, if you get one, you start playing that things don't work the way they did everywhere else. There's a reason for it, but there's ways around most of it. There's a few things. Uh, we'll get you deep into the Unix side as well. So you can see that. Uh, I'll talk about how you make a bootable image, uh, which you really need to do because if you upload a sketch to it and power it off, it's lost without the, without a bootable image. Things like that. So there's lots of little things about it that are, like I said, a little quirky. But overall, it's a very nice board. So we want to spend a whole whole show talking about some of the quirkiness on the on that and what we've what we've run across as far as problems and some little hints and tips and tricks and things like that. So uh, next Monday, come back at nine p.m. and uh, we'll talk in about Arduino. I'll see you all later. For show notes for this show, contacts, and more, go to the TechZen.tv website where you can get show notes for all of our shows. We love to hear from our viewers and listeners. We have an email, a Twitter, and a phone number where you can contact us for each show. For details, visit the TechZen.tv website and get the show details. You can also make a video and upload it somewhere like YouTube or Vimeo and then just send us a link. You never know, you may see your video in a future show. You can get all of our shows delivered automatically to your favorite device by going to your favorite podcast website like iTunes and subscribing. Each of our shows also has a YouTube channel you can subscribe to to get regular updates. Our shows are also available on most internet radio networks like Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. You can also watch and listen to our shows on Xbox, TiVo, and Roku. You can even find us on your Zoom.